Hey, it's Lori and Matt. And we are Teacher Saves World. Why can't you be more like my stapler? Keeping my papers together. So you know how on certain applications, uh, apps, YouTube, email, whatever, uh, there's like a dark version. Yeah. Which I don't like. Like I, the kids really seem to like the dark version of everything. Mm -hmm. Like the black background. Yeah. I don't particularly. Supposed to help your eyes though. Oh really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well. And grayscale. Then I think season three of Teacher Saves World will help your eyes <laughs> or maybe it'll help your ears this is like the dark version or your that's heart I, that's, that's where i'm going this is this is the dark version <laughs> of teacher saves world uh so maybe it's good for your ears uh so anyway we're, we're getting some things off our chest here in season three we mm-hmm. are um we're complaining we are yeah. um we're giving you all the reasons why that if we were to walk away from our classrooms pre-retirement if we were to walk away early, uh, these would be the reasons why. These would be holding the door open. These yeah. would be nudging us out. These are these are all the things that we're uh, a little upset about or that just don't sit well with us that have made our job increasingly difficult, uh, have made our health increasingly uh, more challenging to sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've had a lot of put a lot of markers in place personally to off put the stress that comes from work. Yeah. You know, so we take responsibility for that. Yeah. But it'd be nice if, you know, (laughs) they weren't there. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is happening maybe in a lot of sectors of, of the world, but we just happen to be in the teacher education sector. And so that's what we're talking about. And, and so season three is the, um, is the opposite of season two. Season two, we were talking about all the all the great things about education, and we're not that are still there, still there. Thank we're not, God. yeah. And and uh, the great, all the great parts of being a a teacher and why we uh, are drawn to this profession. But we are not Pollyanna about it. We are not all pie in the sky. There's nothing wrong. There are things wrong, and so season three is our. That's what we're talking about, what, what we think is wrong and what we think is making, uh, a a bunch of people leave the profession. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, what has been so taxing and on us as, as professionals. And we're not even talking about COVID. No, we're not. That's not even one of the reasons we're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about one of our main topics is not going to be the fact that we had to teach in a mask all semester long, which was way more challenging than I had ever thought it would be. Awful. It was really hard to Mm. be in a mask all day long. And I started wearing glasses. I started wearing glasses. So that really, um, you know, the whole fog issue. That's a nice combo. Was uh, really sucked. And uh, so anyway, you know, so that we're not even talking about that. We're not getting to that. We're talking about stuff that is, that has sort of been in the mix. Yeah. Baked into the lasagna of education. Uh, and that's what we're talking about. There's some ingredients that we're not too fond of. <laughs> uh, 
And so, so that's what we're talking about. So last, uh, last week we talked about that shift in responsibility from, from the child onto the educator, from the child onto the adult, from the family onto the school and how that has, uh, really increased the pressure, uh, that teachers feel has changed how we teach, uh, and is not doing a service to, to the young people. And, uh, and, and this week is sort of an extension of that. This week, we're going to talk about accommodations Mm -hmm. and how it seems to be to me, the default response to a struggling student is to think of accommodations. What, how can we make it easier? And now I know, we know that we are treading into delicate water here. Sure. Right? We are not suggesting, we don't want to go into this territory. We're not suggesting that we revert back to some archaic system of cracking of knuckles yeah. and uh, like, stand like in the corner in dunce caps. The Pink Floyd, you know, brick yeah. in the wall video. Yeah. No, we no, no, no. don't need, just yeah. like the robotic. Yeah, no, no, no. We're, we're, uh, that's, that's not where we're going with, with all of this. Well, the truth is we accommodate every day, right? Because we yes. have all these bodies in our room. So yeah. we, we live in this, but... There's accommodation. I love, you know, accommodation nation, I think is what you titled this one, which is perfect. We're seeing accommodations now that are pretty wild. Like I think 10 years ago, if you would have brought some of these up, a teacher would have chuckled. Like that's really brought up and that's being written in a, in a file somewhere. Yeah. Um, And there's so many of them. Well, and and now, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's the accommodations that we're all just sort of agreeing to uh, to do to help a child or whatever, and then there's those that are like we're we're legally responsible mm-hmm. because it's in a in a legal document. Sure, and if you don't, you can be in, in trouble. So, um, to if I can paint a picture, maybe where I'm going with this or where we're going with this. So we will often find mm-hmm. ourselves in meetings about a, a particular student, a particular child. And uh, in this meeting will be the, the child's teachers, uh, maybe a counselor, um, oftentimes the child themselves, parents, right? So you have a room full of, of adults coming together to help a child. That is a really good thing. That's, that's, what, that's what we're in the business of. And, and a problem will come up. This problem is happening. And instead of turning our attention maybe to the child, to to work together, to empower them to take control of of their life and and understand that there are things that maybe that they can do. Yes. And how can we support you in making some, some changes to your habits? That will help you in other situations that are yes. coming up. Because life is really hard, right? Yes. It seems that the default is just 
how can we take stuff off our plates, right? How, or how can we make things easier? How can we reduce what you need to accomplish? In our classroom, and, in our period. Yes. How can we make it easier for you to get it done? Instead of how can we find a way for you to, in the situation that you find yourself in, uh, find another way to rise to the level that you need to? Well, I think, how, yeah, how can we strengthen you mm -hmm. so that the next time you tackle a similar stressor, which is coming because yep. that's life, a series of yep. stressors, that you will prevail or survive. Yeah. You know, we're really weakening them. Big time. By aco these accommodations in our little room, in our little class, we're not looking at the bigger picture, right? Because this child takes themselves wherever they go. Yep. We, we are, uh, I remember one of the concepts that was really an important concept to learn to, to, to come to grips with, with uh, was the idea of the locus of control, right? Whether you believe that the locus of control in your life is within you, or whether you believe it is outside of you. <laughs> if you have an internal locus of control, you believe that your life is your responsibility, that the situation that you find yourself in is a result of decisions that you've made, and that you can make better decisions, you can make different decisions, you can make new decisions to work your way out of it. Mm -hmm. That person has an idea of self-responsibility. They have power over their life. They're empowered. They're empowered. Yep. The external locus of control person believes that their life is the result of external forces. It's everybody else's fault. Well, it's the, that teacher doesn't like me. Yes. Mantra. It's my parents suck. That dean doesn't like me. That cop doesn't like me. Mm -hmm. You know, what an actuality. We're way too busy to actively not like a, yeah. somebody. <laughs> like yeah. it's not, we don't go out of our way to not like you, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but you're right. Everything's outside. And so I think this default setting that we've worked ourselves into of like, it's up to, like we come around this table. And when the focus is on what can all of us do, we're reinforcing in that child this idea that it's an external locus of control. Hey, kid, I know you're, you're, you're struggling right now. Mm -hmm. We're all going to make it. We're all going to make changes and, and make it better. I think the message to that kid is then like, oh, well, it's up to everybody around me well, to make I'm changes. I'm going to kick my feet up and put my head, my hands behind my head. My watch the show. My life right? is really just determined by the mm -hmm. adults in my life, not not by anything that I do, not yeah. by any decisions that I make, not by any uh, changes in behavior, or even I, a partnership, right? Yeah. Like like we'd be much more, I would say, willing. We do make the accommodations. You know, many times we just have to, even if we think they're silly. And I want to talk about some specific ones today too. But we need to work, you know, even the working together mm -hmm. is not meeting in the middle 
is not happening. It's just we're going to change. The teachers will all change. The school will all change. And you do not have to change. Mm-hmm. Even though next year you're going to be in the same situation. And then you're going to graduate and go to a job and be in the same situation. Or be a Walmart in line and be in a situation. You know, I want to bring, start bringing up a few specifics. Okay. Just, just to kind of, like, paint the picture. So this year I had an accommodation for, you know, a kid, not a kid on any special plan or, you know, educational plan, just a regular old student, right, that, that I was not to ever approach them from behind. Meaning if I'm in that area of the classroom and I'm walking up to their table, I need to make sure I walk around and, and come in front of them. I cannot start talking to them from behind their back. And I really was like, whoa. You know, so my first instinct is, of course, like, wow, I wonder why, you know, it was just a child of, you know, abuse or trauma or that kind of thing. And then I immediately thought, I'm going to forget this at one point, right, this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple points. I've got 40, almost 40 kids in the class, right? This is a big class. And then my last little rebellious thought is, this is ridiculous because there's going to be, this child will be at a restaurant with a waiter coming up behind them and maybe even like, you know, or Disneyland or in line at Target or a gas station. You know, there's always going to be people that come up behind. So, so instead, so the, instead of whenever this came up, right. And I, and I, I don't know the situation where it came up, where this was expressed to maybe a counselor or a psychologist or something like that. Mm-hmm. It seems like the thought then was to, okay, and we want to listen. I mean, you know, this is where we're talking about, we're treading into, you know, uh, touchy subjects here. We're not saying we don't listen to the kid and say, hey, that's ridiculous, get over it. Uh, no, we love these kids. No, but the thought was then I'm going to then go out and communicate to all of the adults that you need to change your behavior. Not necessarily, okay, as I'm sitting here with the kid, um, all right, I hear you. But, um, you know, unless you stand for the rest of your life uh, with your back to a wall, uh, you are going to be approached from behind occasionally Mm -hmm. in the world. And so let's find ways that we can work on this, right? That we can start to, you know, um, make this uh, better. Yeah. That's funny because my first thought was seating chart. Well, then I need to make sure, you know, I have pods in my room, so it's very difficult, but there's a couple that are against a wall. I think only four seats. Mm -hmm. And that was my first thought is I'm going to, then that kid is not going to be with a, a new group every six weeks when I change the seating chart. Mm-hmm. You know, because I thought, I'm going to forget this. I'm going to come up from behind. I'm probably going to touch their shoulder like I do sometimes. Hey, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, instead of having... And you're going to be the one held responsible yes. for causing a panic attack. And, 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 and I'm in the business of loving these kids. Like, I love my students. And I want to express love and I want to show them, like, so... So I'm thinking at some point, like you said, when this was brought up, that discussion of, hey, school is a safe place. Mm -hmm. So if a teacher or another student comes up 
behind you, I would say 99% of the time it's going to be fine. You know, maybe 100% of the time this school year. Like this is not a dark alley. This Mm -hmm. is not a three in the morning, drunk at a party. Like it's going to be okay. So let's work with this. You know, but but that wasn't the thought. The thought was to email all the teachers and say you cannot come from behind communicating with this kid. And it was shocking to me. Or maybe, uh, you know, we're making some assumptions here. Uh, maybe the adult, the counselor, the psychologist, whoever was working with this, this uh, student is simultaneously doing these things. But maybe it should have been communicated a little bit differently. Sure. Like just be aware of this. Be aware that this child is working on this behavior. Yes. Not don't approach them from behind. Yes. Very true. Right. Uh I have another example. Uh, this is not uncommon in our high school classrooms to have sleepy children. Uh, I never have that. What are you talking about? Uh, teenagers are famously uh, tired and uh, they are famously really tired after lunch. And uh, and so I uh, had a student who was s- struggling and uh, and this was one. This was a sleepy student. This was a student that was just had, was constantly putting their head down. Mm-hmm. And uh, like and the s- kind that were like in pain, kind of like you could tell they just were so yes, yeah. And so uh, we were in a in a meeting for the student because the student was not doing well in their classes, and uh, I I brought this up. And, and to me, I'm thinking we need to work on changing some behaviors, uh, at home as far as like nighttime and sleepy time. Yeah. And then it was suggested. So I bring this up and the first utterance out of somebody in the room was to suggest that maybe we make an accommodation that this, uh, student gets to go, uh, take a nap. (laughs) In the um, in the nurse's office, maybe a little power nap, and that would help revive them. And and now, mm. if I come out, you know, and and of course, of course, the student thinks this is a, is a great idea. <laughs> this free pass to go take a nap instead mm. of change maybe my behavior at home, maybe put the phone away several hours before, maybe don't sleep with a phone in my room, maybe not play video games until, you know, three o'clock in the morning. Maybe those changes should be made. And how can we make those changes? How can Mm -hmm. we, you know, uh, take power over our lives to make positive changes? No, let's, let's go take a nap. And so, if I come out against that idea, I'm now all of a sudden You're like an anti-napper. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm an anti-napper. <laughs> I'm I'm the villain. How how do I how do and I and I'm I'm the classroom teacher. I'm I'm responsible. Remember from last week, I'm responsible for this student succeeding. Yes. 
and I need to have a positive relationship with a student. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but God forbid I be the one that takes their free nap the pass nap away. nap blocker. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty extreme. You know, I could even see maybe like, okay, when this student gets tired, what if they stood up, stood in the back of the room, you know, until we change the behavior at home. Yeah. Like that should be the end goal. It's like what's and, happening at home? <clears throat> Teenagers are always sleepy. Here's, here's the thing is uh, we're not talking about, so these things that are coming to us are not coming to us from ridiculous people. They are coming to no. us from people that we love and respect. It's this has become who we are anymore. Mm -hmm. This is our default setting. Our default setting has changed over the last few decades. Our default setting is to make accommodations, not to work with the child and family to make changes on their end to improve their performance at school, it's our job to make changes to get them through. Yeah. That has become our default setting. And it's crazy how many more accommodations I have now in my classrooms than from 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. The number of documents and emails and uh, meetings and all the, like, all the things that, all the accommodations, all the changes that I need to make every single day uniquely fitted to all these different students is immense. Yeah. Immense. And collectively, it just becomes like... um like such a huge weight on on the you know we have a bathroom policy right three bathroom passes per semester per class mm-hmm. but now i have all these kids that at any time can go take a walk can go to the bathroom can leave yes because it's you know there's anxiety there's now they take their phone with them you know i'm not mm-hmm. supposed to take their phone away from them so they can be gone for really it's pretty loose however long they need yeah and and there's just so many of them and this becomes kind of chaotic right because then other kids well they can go and then you you got to respect their privacy and not tell the other kids why they're going every class and leaving mm-hmm. with their phone when we all experience anxiety i you know i do too can i leave can i take my phone and go leave the classroom when i'm experiencing some anxiety or stress no i have to take a breath and i have to keep going and so those are the things we're not we're not focusing on is how to cope when i feel that way right if i'm on an airplane and i'm feeling a little anxiety because there's turbulence can i pop the exit door and jump out no i have to figure out a way to move through it and i know they're kids and i know they've been through a lot and I, you know, even with the, the shadow, well, not the shadow of COVID, we're still in it somewhat, but I think even more so, we've had more accommodations because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. but you could make that a reason as to absolutely why we need to almost do less. Like we need to empower the kids more, Yeah. right? 
then make all these accommodations because we understand people's sleep schedule has been flipped. We need to start inching it back. So we need you to go to bed 15 minutes earlier tonight. Mm -hmm. We need you to take the phone out of your bed and put it on your dresser tonight. Then maybe next week we work on putting it in the hallway. You know, we understand it's not like you flip a switch. But like ask, allowing, even suggesting the kid go take a nap, meaning leave your room, leave your instruction, leave the 30 plus other kids in there that are also tired. I, I guarantee you there's half the room has been up most of the night, mm -hmm. but they're kind of finding a way to dig in or just kind of, but it's the accommodations. They're not going to get these when they leave and they're only no. in high school four years yeah. and they got a lifetime yeah. of no accommodations. So we're trying to build better partners, you know, not just better students, better scholars, but better workers, better, better spouses, better parents, better humans. Yeah. And let me, <clears throat> let me talk about maybe an example on the other side of this. So Maybe I've t I, I, I wrote about this student in, in my book, and maybe I've talked about it maybe before. But um, So I had a student, one of my first years uh, at the high school that we work at now, Eddie. And Eddie was not a good student. And I had Eddie in a PE class, and uh, he was, uh, I don't know, he was a DF student. And, uh, but he was a monster in PE. This kid was a, like, physical fitness was his thing. And he was always, whenever we ran, he was always the first one through and he wasn't cruising either. He was the, he was the kid who would push himself to exhaustion, push up test, uh, uh, you know, sit up test. Like he was just, bla I mean, this kid was incredible. This kid was incredible, great personality too, but he was horrible in the classroom. Hmm. And, uh, and I just, you know, Again, a great personality. I was talking to him, and I just, I just mentioned. I said, "Hey, Eddie, uh, you know, I noticed you're not doing so well in your other classes." And I, I don't think, you know, I think he had he had loving parents, uh, but I believe his parents maybe didn't speak English. Maybe didn't. Uh, I think they worked in the fields. Mm -hmm. um, I think he had a brother that may have been incarcerated. Uh, and so, you know, tough situation. And not a lot of, you know, not a lot of academic support or even expectations, I guess, shall we say at home. And, and I just, I think Eddie was a sophomore at the time. And I said, Eddie, if you, um, it's, you know, the working hard part, you got that down. I've never seen anybody work as hard as you do here in PE. I, I've never seen anybody work this hard at anything as you work right here in this PE class. You're phenomenal. Your work ethic is out of this world. Uh, so you know how to work hard. Maybe you should pour a little of that work ethic into your classes. Mm -hmm. And I know that I was not, we're talking a sophomore in high school. I was not the first teacher to give Eddie this talk. Mm -hmm. But I maybe got to him when he was ready to hear it. Maybe he was old enough to hear it. Maybe he was close enough to becoming 18 and starting to think about, man, what's life going to look like after high school? That it sunk in finally. And, and sure enough, Eddie started to 
change how he worked in his classes. He's paid attention. He went to tutoring. He started doing his work. And of course, Eddie loved to come back and report these things to me. <laughs> right. I bet. And, uh, Eddie was able to play soccer that year. First time ever, because he'd never been el eligible before <laughs> academically. And, uh, he was an instant impact out there. He wasn't the most skilled, but he was the hardest working and he had a great personality and he was like a, you know, he was like the coach's award kind of kid. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he went from D's and F's to mostly B's. Uh, then he went to the local community college. He continued to play soccer and I would see Eddie every now and then like at the gym or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I would check in and then he got a really good job working in, um, uh, solar. Yeah. I think he was in sales and solar using that great personality and, and, uh, those stories, those are the ones that fill you up as an educator and you love the stories. You love those aha moments. You love when a student figures it out and we love more so than when they figure out a concept in your subject. Those are cool, right? Mm -hmm. They finally get how to, mm -hmm. you know, solve this equation or how to compose this essay. But we love more so when they figure out a big life thing. Mm. And when they figure out that their life is their responsibility when that hits, and maybe we get to see that a little bit more in high school. Maybe that's, you know, we're, we're just hitting them at that point where they're on the cusp of adulthood. And so these things start to sink in. And so we get to see these things in high school. We get to see the kid. We get to see the eddies mm -hmm. that finally figure out that there are no amount of accommodations that anybody can make for me that is going to make real change in my life. The real change in my life comes from me making changes. Yeah. comes from me, me making the choice to turn my phone off and, and crack open the textbook. Not, mm -hmm. not mom telling me to do it, not teacher telling, but, but me, yep. I decided to do it. And once I made a decision to do it, then it stuck. We see the kids who change their health. How many kids have we seen go from pretty large kids to pretty fit kids? Yeah. Right. Proud. Cause they, they figured it out. They just yep. said, yeah, I was tired of being overweight. I was yep. tired of being sluggish. I was tired of having no energy. I was tired of being made fun of being teased. That's a right? big one. And, and I made changes and then it stuck. Yep. And we see it in the classroom all the time. We see the kid who just struggles, struggles, struggles. And then, within themselves they at some moment i don't it's either somebody comes and says something or or maybe it's a maybe it's a peer or maybe they just have that soul searching moment yeah where they're fed up and they come to the realization that their life is their responsibility and they change yeah and it sticks and man those, if you're, if you're lucky enough to be around when, when that happens and you're lucky enough to maybe 
have a conversation with the kid after they figure that out. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty special moment as an educator. Yeah, it fills you up for a long time. There's two words above my door. My classroom door, on, as they exit, says show up. And they're just in big block letters. And it's kind of a, you know, literally, we want them to show up, right, mm -hmm. attendance-wise, but it's about just showing up for their lives. And I always tell a story about, you know, I've, I've just, I've never really been the smartest one. I've never been the most talented one in my life. Naturally gifted at lots of things, not really. But what I've done in every job, every club, every organization was I've shown up. If I say I'm going to be there, I'm there. And, you know, that's, I'm not asking for accommodations for not being there or not doing the work because I'm tired or I'm stressed. I might be tired and stressed, but if I make a commitment, I show up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most powerful thing we can teach these kids. And that's what Eddie did. He showed up in PE, yeah. but he wasn't showing up in his other classrooms. Right. When he flipped that switch mm -hmm. and realized I control this, that's when his life started to get better. And he realized working hard makes my life better, yeah. not worse. Yeah. So yeah. I think we are taking away a beautiful gift from these kids with too many accommodations yeah. or accommodations that don't have a shelf life. And, and not allowing them to come to those moments on their own. These accommodations won't stick. No. They won't. And, and I, I, I know, I, I, I hear the other argument. I, I hear that we got to meet them where they're at, that we got to get them through. And then hopefully somewhere along this, they're going to, it's going to click, but at least they won't have failed and fallen even deeper. I, I get all to the things. point of no return. Yes. Yeah. We, but we're doing that every day. Yes. We're accommodating yes. every day. That's high school. No, but we've just, we have gone too far. Yeah. We have gone too far. And so we have a, uh, you know, there's obviously now that we we're using so much technology in the classroom, uh, technology has its own issues and we're going to, that's another yeah, episode. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Don't but, you worry. Um, in order to keep kids focused while on technology, which is a challenge, uh, there are programs out there that can block websites that can, uh, funnel students to only certain websites, right? Where, so locked mode. Yeah. So there are things that we can try to do and, and then it just becomes a game it becomes a game of like you block certain websites, they find other ones and you know, whatever, but <laughs> I know I don't use that program other than to maybe observe what's going on. Because you could just go on there and observe what students are doing on their on their Chromebooks or their computers. It's like you're the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um, but I will let the students know why. And I, I pose it this way. I said, "Hey guys, you you guys do realize that I, I can see what you are doing when you're on your Chromebooks, right? Like, yeah, they they know. And you guys do know that I can block websites because other teachers do it, right? Oh yeah, they know." Oh yeah, we know. And I can funnel you to maybe just one website. I can make it so that you can only log into one web. Yeah. So-and-so does that. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And they go, yay. Yeah. And, and I said, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll tell you why, because you need to go there. 
And because I know that when you get onto your devices, you want to play a game. You want to pull up your Instagram account. You want to chat with your friends. I, I, I understand all of those things. But I'm asking you to go to this website or open up this application and do this assignment. So in order to do that, it's going to take some self-control. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have to open up your device. And even though you want to go to this website, you want to chat with your friend on Instagram, you want to play the snake game. Why do they love that one so oh, much? Oh my God, the snake. I know that you want to do all those things. But you need to make a decision to do the right thing, which is to do the thing that I've asked you to do. And when you do that, your self-control is going to become a little bit stronger because you made a decision mm-hmm. and you acted on it. And because of that, your self-control just became a little bit better. Now, if I take that away from you, if I make it so that when you open up your Chromebook, the only option is to go onto the application or the assignment that I've posted for you to do, I've taken away from you the chance to become a little bit stronger from a self-control perspective. Yeah, to strengthen that muscle, Mm -hmm. right? So that I can do it somewhere else. So so I'm not going to take that away from you. Because I don't want to deny you the opportunity to become better at maybe one of the more important skills, if not the most important skill you can develop. Because we can trace just about everything positive and good that's going to happen in your life back to a use of self-control and just about, you know, barring the freak of nature accident, just about everything bad can be from a lack of using self-control. Yeah, really. Ba- from bankruptcy to unwanted, really bad. unwanted pregnancies to addictions, mm-hmm. right, are going to be a lack of it. And, and if you're going to achieve anything in life, you're going to accomplish anything, it's going to mean you're going to need to use some self-control. Yeah. And so I'm not going to take that away from you. It's by the blocking. key. It really is the key. And, and I, along those lines, I think that is the damage we're doing when we over-accommodate. We're taking away the, the young person's opportunity to develop the really important skills necessary to have success beyond our, our walls mm-hmm. in life. And that's ultimately our goal. And we're not advocating for a return to the one-room classroom and the, the teacher walking around with the ruler and cracking knuckles. We're not advocating a return to some antiquated notion to where nobody receives help and they are entirely on their own. We're just saying we've gone too far. Yeah. We've gone too far. We've gone to the we've gotten to the point to where accommodations have become our default setting. We are thinking first in terms of how can we make it easier as opposed to how can we help this kid step it up. Yeah. Make the kids stronger. Yeah. And so that's what we're asking about. Or that's what we're talking about. At least meeting in the middle. Yeah. Maybe we've gone a little too far. Mm-hmm. Have we become 
the accommodation nation. Maybe we have. But we shouldn't. <laughs>